the past four weeks, we've been looking at what it means to be a disciple, to walk the walk with Jesus. And we've been using the definition that you'll find at the top of the first page of your bulletin. And I want you to find that bulletin and let's read it together. It's right underneath. It is good to worship together. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ for life who is committed to becoming more like Jesus, being a part of the body of Christ, and joining Jesus in ministry. Now, last Sunday, I was planning to finish up this series. I was done, but as I uh, was preparing that sermon, I realized I had neglected to talk about a very important phrase in this definition, the phrase, who is committed to. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ for life who is committed to. So today, I wanna talk a little bit about commitment. Let me ask this. How many of you are Dodger fans? Raise your hand. What? They have every room? Everybody hand isn't up? <laughs> are you feeling good today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your team's going to the World Series, right? <laughs> so let me ask you this. If the Dodgers had lost last night, would you still be their fan? Yes. Oh, wow. Good for you. And I ask that because to be truly committed to something or someone is not a if-it-makes-me-feel-good decision. It's not a eh, sometimes decision. It's not a eh, whenever-I-feel-like-it decision. To be truly committed is to be devoted and faithful to that person or cause no matter what. It's to be willing to give one's time and energy and love each and every day. Clearly, uh, making a commitment is more than putting on a blue shirt and hat and cheering for your team, right? It is serious business. And so before we uh, make a commitment, we are likely to ask a couple of questions. The first is this. What does this commitment ask of me? What obligations am I taking on? Jesus would actually approve of this question in fact, in Luke 14, he encourages those who would follow him to count the cost of making such a decision. He says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? So what does a commitment to be Jesus' disciple ask of us? In the same passage, Jesus gives an answer to this question, an answer that is shocking. He says, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Okay, I'm kind of amazed you all are still sitting here. <laughs> that if you haven't said, forget this, I'm out of here. Jesus' terms seem pretty harsh, don't they? <laughs> Reject your family, give up your possessions, carry a cross, hate your life. To be sure, Jesus is using hyperbole here. 
He does not literally mean that we should hate our families or throw our lives away. He believed in the Ten Command, in the commandment, love your honor, uh, father and mother. He asked for someone to take care of his mother when he was on the cross. He blessed children. He loved his family. He says all these things because he wants those who are listening to understand that being his disciple is demanding, that it requires us to accept Jesus as our all in all, as the song goes, to put devotion to him above everything and everyone else in our lives, to follow him not just on Sunday morning, but every day. The first disciples certainly did that. They left everything, families, home, livelihood, to follow Jesus. And they lived out the commitment they'd made to him every day for the rest of their lives. While we are less likely to find ourselves in situations that force us to choose between our families and our faith, or to put our lives on the line, being Jesus' disciple is no less demanding today. For it means allowing God and Christ to shape and direct our whole lives, sometimes in ways that we might not expect or want. For as Jesus' disciples, we are called to give up things that are precious to us. Our drive for success, for example. Our need to acquire. Our carefully cultivated prejudices. Our insistence on being right. And then to align our values with his, even if it means going against society's values. To make his priorities our own to give our time, energy, and yes, our money to his service, to see others, even those whom we'd rather avoid, as God's beloved children, and to love as Jesus loved. It's a lot. Which brings me to the second question that we are likely to ask before making such a commitment. What's in it for me? What benefits will I receive? Why would I want to make such a commitment? Let's go back to Jesus' words in Luke 14. The discipleship requires that we put God before family. We gain a new family in the church. Brothers and sisters bound together by their common love of God and their desire to follow Jesus as we loosen our hold on possessions and their hold on us, we are freed from selfishness and freed to experience the joy of giving. As we give up the values and priorities that we cling to, we will receive new gifts, an appreciation for what we have, an eagerness to serve, the power of compassion. And as we shoulder our crosses, we will find that we do not carry them alone. And there's more. In the first chapter of the Gospel of John, for example, I find these words. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. And in the third chapter, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. In the 10th chapter, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And in the 14th chapter, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. 
In Matthew 5, the Beatitudes offer promises of blessing. And in the first chapter of Ephesians declares, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And then there are these words, again from John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. What's in it for us? Our relationship with God as intimate and loving as that of parent and child. The forgiveness of our sins and the relief of our guilt. Life abundant here and now and the promise of life eternal peace of mind and heart. While this commitment calls on us to make hard choices, it also offers us freedom from fear and freedom for joy. And it gives us the privilege of joining forces with God. Jesus needs fully committed disciples because his mission, God's mission, is nothing less than the redemption, repair, and recreation of the world. He warns us of the cost, not only because he knows that we resist change and that we're all too comfortable with the status quo, but also because he wants us as willing partners, not mindless devotees. Those who choose to become his disciples must make that decision with their eyes open and their hearts free for a complete reordering of their lives is required. I had uh, Donna read Philippians 3, Paul's testimony in Philippians 3, because it brings it all together for me. Over the years, Paul's commitment to discipleship had brought him great suffering, and indeed he wrote this letter um, from the, the cell, a cell in a Roman prison in danger of losing his life. In this chapter, he reflects on the things that he gave up to be a disciple, in particular his status as a Jew whose credentials were impeccable and whose observance of Jewish law was above reproach. This was a man who had found fulfillment in his prowess as a faithful Jew, prowess that would have taken him far in Jewish circles. What a surprise then to read, yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard, regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul seeks to bind his life to Christ, to allow every moment of every day, in the words of David Lose, to be infused by the hope and confidence of the resurrection so much so that he has come to accept his suffering as a means by which he is being made like Christ. Furthermore, Paul is committed to upholding this commitment every day for the rest of his life. He writes, not only have I obtained this or have reached the goal, not that I have already obtained this or have reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus, he writes, has made me 
his own. Paul made a commitment to Jesus, a commitment that he strives to uphold every day of his life because Jesus made a commitment to hear, to him. He does this not out of fear or desire for glory, but out of faith in the promises of God and in the love of the one who has made him his own. There's no doubt that to follow Paul's footsteps, to make the commitment to be Christ's disciple, to follow him, to strive to be more like him, to take part in his body and to join him in ministry is challenging. It does require that we give our all. But we can do this because God has given us God's all. Because God first made a commitment to us. As Paul writes in Romans 5, God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Likewise, we read in the fourth chapter of 1 John, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love because he first loved us. When we willingly offer our lives to Christ, we are committing ourselves not just to a new life, but to the one who already counted the cost and gave his all. It's not easy to make this walk. Inevitably, there will be days when we stumble, and just as inevitably, there will be times when we want to quit. But Jesus will never give up on us. He has walked this journey before, and he knows all of the twists and the turns and the rough places along the way. And he loves us. He loves us with a love that never fails. May his commitment to us give us the courage and confidence to make a commitment to walk with him each and every day. Amen.